What I love most about Mi Gente is our community and how important it is to take care of our own. Hey, it's Honey and Carolina. On our podcast, Life in Spanglish, we talk about how important being there for your loved ones is. Pero también sobre lo importante que es tener a alguien dispuesto a apoyarte cuando lo necesites, como lo hace State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. If you're anything like me, you're booked and busy. From family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. Yes, like Wrestling with Freddie, with me, Freddie Prinz Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm. Proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Number 300 and something. It is the Custard TV Podcast. I'm Luke. I run the website where the podcast lives, thecustardtv.com. Matt is always here, so he's here again. I am. I'm, I'm the, the anchor keeping this afloat. No, that's not right at all, is it? <laughs> If anything, the anchor sucks away. <laughs> yeah. I always think of you as a bit of an anchor, to be honest. Yeah, you're a, you're a bigger anchor, but there you go. And disproving Matt's theory that I only do podcasts that don't include ladies. Can you explain this, Matt, before I introduce <laughs> the lady? Because I don't understand. Well, like every every one that you've been off recently, apart from last week when we had Will on, was that we we had the a female. It was me and Sarah and and another female guest. Or there was the week where it was me and Sophie, and those yeah. were the weeks oh, that you were off. It's yeah, well, true. I've spoken okay. to HR, and I have to do this one. With Sarah, <laughs> so Sarah's here as well. Hi, how are you? Hi, yeah, I'm I'm HR mandated, and I'm here with my clipboard to make sure you do you do everything right. HR made me pay proper price for those clipboards as well. I thought I'd get them wholesale, and they weren't. So I'm already annoyed. <laughs> Luke and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast? Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. On the show this week, we have four. I don't know how we managed it. We found four shows. Uh, that we think somewhat worthy of discussion on the pod this week. We're going to talk about the new Sky Atlantic HBO drama Landscapers. We're going to be talking about BBC One's new Sunday slash Monday night drama You Don't Know Me. Peacock's now launched in the UK, which means we get to talk about Saved by the Bell and the brand new Showtime on Sky Atlantic drama Yellow Jackets is going to be under our microscope as well. Who wants to discuss what first? I know Matt is desperate to talk about Saved by the Bell, but I don't think we should start with that. What about landscapers, Sarah? Do you want to walk us through this four-part Olivia Colman, David Thewlis-led, strange beast of a crime drama? I mean, you've literally done the work for me. You've done the heavy yeah. lifting for me there. Thank yes. you. Um, HR again, you see. I've got to lift things for you. I can't that's just right. sit idly by and watch you carry a big mound of papers i have to lift it all up for you so what we've got is basically a 
drama version of a real life story. A couple, Susan and Chris, from a sleepy little Nottinghamshire town, have been on the run for 15 years uh, because they murdered Susan's parents and buried them in the back garden. It's crazy bananas to begin with, and then the way that it's actually presented is stranger still, uh, because Susan's got this vivid interior fantasy life. She either wants to be a film star or, you know, she's got a sort of Gary Cooper shrine. Um, she thinks of, of her, her sort of very boring, sensible, weaselly husband as knight in shining armour and her hero. There's, like, shootouts. But this is all happening inside her head, yet we see it on screen. It starts in Nottingham City Centre, a little bit like a play. It's black and white, and we see them call action and the, you know, the, the actors and the background actors begin. And so I think that's another sort of stylistic representation of Susan's vivid fantasy life. Um, Nottingham, by the way, great pubs, lovely castle and a cat cafe. What more can you want? Cat cafe? They're springing up everywhere, aren't they? They are. Well, Nottingham's I... one of the original ones. Very nice. But I don't understand that because like, there's dog cafes. I get that. Like Dogs are very sociable. They'll come and sit with you. A cat is not going to care that it's in a cat cafe. They choose the more social cats for this kind of job. There's one in Edinburgh as well that's incredible too. But do um, cats like being with other cats? I've never really understood whether they do or they don't. It's harder to say because they're not pack animals. But yeah, they, some, they, they choose the particular sort of outgoing, gregarious cats for that sort of <laughs> job. I want to go to a cat cafe and just sit outside of it. I didn't go in. <laughs> I just peer in through the windows. Anyway. I promise you, they are domestic cats. They're not tigers. As far I as I know. have drifted. <laughs> Do you? I feel like I'm more invested in this half of it. <laughs> I can see why you were hesitant with it because it is odd, but I kind of liked it. I think it was just odd enough. Um, I wasn't quite sure what they were doing with the police though because they were like the comedic element. They were swearing they, every other. They word. were like the comedy version of the Line of Duty trio. They yeah. were, weren't they? Sarah, I don't know if you're aware of this. The the writer of this is actually Olivia Coleman's husband. Oh no, I didn't know that. Ed Sinclair. Why she did it? Yeah. Solved. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a conversation with a couple of people who said the same as Sarah, where it was um, odd but just quirky enough mm. that you that you got yeah. on board with it. I thought it added rather than detracted from the story, but I think you think otherwise. It irritates me, this, this desire to be quirky, this desire to do something different, when you've got the talents of somebody like Olivia Coleman and David Thulis, all you have to do is point your sodding camera at their faces and it will be fine. I know I'm watching a TV drama, I know that this is Olivia Coleman playing a character, but I don't need to see all the cast and the crew, I don't need to hear them call action, I don't need to be told that I'm in a, that I'm watching a film thing. I'd like to be able to relax into it. Quirky for quirky's sake, I just can't get on board but with it. But just... it wasn't, I disagree with that. It is not quirky for quirky's sake, because we are talking about Susan's interior life of this real woman mm. who was obsessed with glamorous Hollywood, who wanted her life to be so different, who wanted to be this French madame going to cafes with her beautiful husband, and how it all fell apart. She's We're a fantasist, of... really, isn't she? Yeah. He's the he's the yeah. realist, and that's that's what they're going for. And we're talking about also how he got swept up in her. He says to her, "You are my whole world." He what he wants out desperately, and he's wanted out for years and years. 
but he doesn't want to break her spirit. He keeps referring to her as fragile. He thinks fragile, but the audience thinks fantasist. Mm. And then we get to see her sort of madness, her state of mind reflected in these ways where we see that she is the centre of attention in a TV show. I think it's really interesting. I mean, if you'd written it down and I would have gone, that sounds silly, but... Yeah. actually on screen to me it made sense and it, it didn't detract from the story it added to it i think what they've done for me in this is they've taken a bonkers true story that not enough people know but they've just m- turned up the bonkers to up to 10 in terms of style you know i just could never relax into it and let myself enjoy it, it mm. i wanted it to wash over me I want so many true stories, if they're told well, are some of my favourite TV Mm, drama. Yeah. Every time I thought, okay, I'm going to get on board with it, something else would happen and I'd just be, just let me relax, just let me watch Olivia Colman and David Thewlis, two of Britain's best actors, do what they do well. And it just, for me, just couldn't relax and and switch off enough. To your point, Luke, what I would say is if it didn't have all the extra sort of flourishes that it does, would it not be in danger of being like another ITV true crime drama? The bits that you're not a fan of are the bits that make it more distinctive. What I would say personally for me is that it took me a while to get into it. I wouldn't say that I had Luke's struggles of never being able to relax into it because it started as you said with that scene where it was all black and white and she's talking to the guy who's going to be going on to be her solicitor and we don't really know what's happened yet and then we're in France with them and she's buying this film poster for me it only really sort of clicked when he has that call with his aunt and then she alerts the police and then I sort of thought oh I know where I am now I, I don't know. I, I'm more with Sarah, I think, on this than I am with you, Luke. Will you watch the but others, then? I'm not sure, if I'm honest. Certainly memorable. You know, it's not one that, that I'm going to forget. I personally liked the coppers. I liked those scenes. Am I getting the impression you didn't, Sarah? I wasn't sure whether we should be taking them seriously not in their jobs. You know, surely they're fundamental to this story. And adding them in as light relief in episode one was a bit strange to me. But mm. I, I thought they were they were fine and I could it felt kind of theatrical, like we've got this main serious, passionate, you know, desperately yeah. sad, horrible storyline. And then like halfway through we needed, you know, sort of like bumbling people to turn up on stage as well. When these true stories come out and they're dramatized, a lot of people say it's interesting, but is it respectful to the victims? And there was a discussion around that with Des last year, the Dennis Nielsen, David Tennant story. And actually, I think because this is played, at least in this first episode, almost comedically, is it respectful to the parents in the back garden? Do you almost forget about them? And is the point to shine a light on this crazy couple? The, the weird choices they've made to make it almost comedic and heightened, you might lose the fact that two people lost their lives as a result of this couple's Uh, actions. What I've read about it is that they still deny that they did it as well. They've never actually come out and said, yes, we we were the murderers. They keep saying, oh, we must stick to the story. You know, we must stick to the story. And it seems that the story was that, I think, they came in and found maybe the mother, they found her dead, 
uh, with the father over her and then they killed him or something sounds like a mess I, I can see what you mean Luke but I think it's one that needs to sort of play. It, it's not the same is it really as a Des or as a Versace you know it's, it's, no, but it's that's a... only because of the choices they've made the stories are similar Mm. But they're not, uh, what, I suppose what I'm saying is, A, they're not serial killers. Mm. Yeah, this is B, domestic. This is do- the, So yeah. it's a little bit different and sort of don't know the motivation behind it, whereas those two were cold-blooded killers. This is a little bit different, as, as Sarah said. It's, it's but domestic. I think, I think Luke raises the point that the people who died in this, in this first episode don't really talk about them at all. I think we no. see a picture of them once. They are... They are abstract in this first episode and hopefully that changes over the, the so, next two certainly i mean the, the the sort of the thing is the question oh isn't it quaint that these two sort of mm. insignificant you know this oh, I, middle english couple them, are murderers i wrote, them down, as, I wrote yeah. them down as beige they both look like retired teachers but, but pretty she, unfashionable even for retired teachers mm, but, <laughs> kind of a disguise to look so normal normal that they yeah. could get away with it for so long, I suppose. And I suppose there's that little bit, isn't there, where they come off the Eurostar and they walk straight past one of those coppers. I think that's the point they're making there, is that they're mm. that insignificant, that they're even if you're looking, even if you're looking for them, you can't find them. The whatever it was, 45 minutes to an hour went went past quite quickly. I can see again why you weren't a fan of it, Luke, because of the added flourishes. If I've got time, then I will definitely go back to it. And, and I, only four episodes. So mm. I really, really want to know what happens next. Tuesday, every episode, all which is four, are available on Sky Atlantic box sets. Yeah, just just too stylistic for me. Um, I think we'll do the other BBC. Or, or shall we have a book? Because Sarah was going to set that one up as well. Where do you want to? I, I would like double Sarah. In fact, the <laughs> HR team says we should have that more often. So... Do you want to do double, Sarah? And then Let's she could just relax? Let's do the Kennedy double. Sounds lethal, and you should only use it under the right circumstances. But we're going to use it now. Off you go. Okay, hang on, let me uh, look up the actor's name. Oh, God, we had such a build-up. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you can edit this bit out, be fine. No, it's all staying in. <laughs> now, yeah, now I've said that, you're going to keep it in, aren't you? Terrible, <laughs> terrible, terrible man. <laughs> HR want a word with you about this kind of thing. This is what I thought was going to be a legal drama. It's taken from a book, uh, I believe a, a barrister has written, set in a courtroom, a man called Hero, which I think is maybe a little on the nose. Um, <laughs> Just a bit. It's Just a, slightly. It's a car salesman accused of murdering a man called Jamil, who I think we can all agree, after just one episode, does indeed look and sound and live exactly like a waste man. <laughs> he looks like he's going as Halloween as a character from The Wire, is what he looks like. <laughs> the Wire via South London. Yeah. Um, so this is Hero presenting his side of the story. By this point, we are getting to the end of the case um, and he has fired his legal team. The judge keeps telling him he's not allowed to add in any new evidence in the closing speech, but this is fiction, so Hero is playing fast and loose with court proceedings. Despite and there's this... also four episodes. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. If I was in that jury, I'd be like, well, come on, mate. <laughs> Imagine if Luke was in that jury, though. He would be settling down with the slippers on, he'd have biscuits, he'd be like, oh, this is fascinating, it's a real life story. Like, Isn't this all on the iPlayer? <laughs> Didn't need to leave home while we were here. 
I thought it was immediately engaging. I love this sort of theatrical soliloquy. The performance was terrific immediately. So I was like, oh, brilliant. Settle in for this. So a totally adorable love story caught me off guard completely. I was like, where has this come from? I did love it, but I knew that it was going to break my heart. So Hero meets Kyra on the bus and their tentative, romantic, adorable relationship goes from there. So warm and tender with this horrible future hanging over them. It's a great way to show him as his real character as well, like not the mm. bad man in the suit in the dock in court. Smart, he's clever, he's a perfectionist, he's desperate to impress, but he's not a show-off because he's honest about the number of attempts it takes him to make a decent spaghetti carbonara. She is like mysterious, she's closed off, she's secretive, she's lost in fiction and books, but he loves mm. her and accepts her for who she is. And then, bam, she goes missing with no warning. And I genuinely felt his sadness and his panic. It was so real. And then he goes to the police. They are not taking a black man seriously. And then they are just like, this black woman has been missing for four days. If she was a blonde white woman, I argue, I think a lot of people would argue that would be headline news. But they're just like, whatever, fill in a form. So then we see him on his one-man mission to find her, desperate, desperate to find her. So he even turns to Jamil for help, even though that he knows that's going to be trouble. Uh, now he's in that gangster's debt. Hilariously, the price is to do the gangster's college homework, which I thought was brilliant. <laughs> so he does find her. And the, the twist in this story is that it looks like she's taken up her old life again, which seems to be as a sex worker. He's just basically given up on her. Hero's sister says that she's still worth fighting for. Um, he gets a gun and he looks like he's going to use it. And that's where... If you're anything like me, you're booked and busy. From family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. Yes, like Wrestling with Freddie, with me, Freddie Prinze Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. Life is full of surprises. Some good, some not so much. Hola, it's Honey. Hola, it's Carolina. Y sabes que estar preparado para cualquier cosa es importante. Whether that's in our roles as mothers, wives, businesswomen, or podcasters. On our show Life in Spanglish, you know that being open to unexpected turns has been an important part of our success. Pero we can use some help. Oh yes, la buena ayuda is welcome. Y si pasa algo, tranquilitos. Isn't it good knowing that with a State Farm agent you can worry less because someone will be personally invested in safeguarding your goals. Plus, they have the options to talk to a real person whenever a customer needs, especially when those unexpected turns come up. It's the personalized attention you can count on. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Episode one ends. And again, this was another one where I was just like, next, please. What happens? I want to know. <laughs> An authentic black British experience on TV and another way that I'd not seen it presented quite like that before. And I loved, I loved hearing their language spoken at the family dinner table. There's all yeah. stuff there that is on the BBC that I wouldn't expect to be there. And I think that's brilliant. I found it a very satisfying watch. Also, just quick word, shout out to Pat Black's Talk of the Town, which is not actually in South London. It's in Wild Green. That was where he, uh, it was a Caribbean restaurant where he hung up a poster. Quite famous yeah. in Birmingham. 
like I was like, hang on a minute, that's Birmingham. <laughs> so yeah, another drama that has decided to choose Birmingham as this filming location, which is excellent. Really pleased to see that happening. Um, Even though it, was... it purports to be in London. One of the themes in there is the fact that a hero hasn't gone into that life. You know, he's made something of himself. He's yeah. a successful car salesman. This relationship with her is dragging him back into this life and, and he is now, you know, accused of murder. I was really invested, as you were, in this love story and this relationship and just their dynamic and everything. I wished it didn't start with those courtroom scenes, only because if it didn't, I would have no idea where it was going and be invested from the off. When I sometimes feel like I've got this ticking clock of something awful happening, you can often just wait for the awful thing to happen. And I I think if they had just told the story from beginning to end, or maybe even ended with him being in the courtroom defending himself rather than starting like that, I I wouldn't have had genuinely any idea what was going to happen to this couple who'd fallen in love on the bus. He'd spent a lot of time making her a favourite meal, but it was somewhat spoiled by this, as you called it, theatrical opening where Hero is very eloquently defending himself and telling the story. I just think that should have been put at the end rather than the beginning Mm. because for me it lost its impact. I usually I agree with you on that, but we shouldn't have to unnecessarily time hop. I don't want three months early in any yeah. drama. I, I find it annoying. It's just a silly trope most of the time. But in this, I actually quite liked the rug pull because I was, I'd was i seen pictures of Hero in the dock and I thought I knew exactly what I was going into. And then suddenly, whoa, it's about a, a young man and a young woman falling in love. I quite like that rug pull in, in this instance. I think that is a decision that has been made by people sort of higher up that, oh, we can't keep the audience if they, you know, it's it's one of those things where we need the insight and incident. Why is this happening? What are we mm. leading to? Well, of course, we don't know. That might be the book as well. You often mm. talk about these adaptations that might mm. be very well how the book is written as well. I, I yeah. No, exactly. But I think, again, it's it's one of those where I think you're in the minority of just wanting that. A lot of people want, you know, well, how did we get here? A lot of people do want that. Why is he the one up in the dock? I mean, it actually starts with the um, the prosecution. Basically, here's all the evidence that proves he did it. And then, you know, it's his defence working through all the bits of evidence because there's like the gunpowder that's found on him or something and... For me, I I just found this all a little bit average, if I'm honest. I never really got into it. I thought everyone was fine. Nothing about it really jumped out to me, if I'm honest. You know, I I like the performances. For me, there was nothing really to to get my teeth into in this, really. I I thought it was fine. I can see people enjoying it. And, you know, it's one of those, as Luke said, it's sort of, Sunday, Monday, Sunday, Monday, isn't it? Is the yeah. way that this is. Is it all, all on the iPlayer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those that I'm sure people will make their way through very quickly. But I, I didn't have that feeling that you had, Sarah, about oh, I need to find out what happens next. You know, it just sort of washed over me a little bit, really. I probably won't be watching the rest because it didn't have the hook for me, and it's not one that I'll remember unless one of those actors pops up again and I go, oh, that's that brilliant girl from, you know. I, I've been calling a lot of BBC drama soulless and huge. 
of late, and I don't, I don't think that suff- it suffers from either of those things. I think it does have a soul. I think it does have humanity at its heart, and I don't think it's too big or too brash. I don't think it hits you in the face the same way Vigil does. But and and interestingly, yeah. same same writer. As yeah, Vigil. Tom Edge. It turns the volume down a lot. It's not doing all no. the brash things that a lot of these dramas have done. I didn't connect with it as much as I wanted to. I, and I, I think to your point, Luke, and us knowing how many episodes it is, I can't see how it's going to take another three episodes to get from where he is in the flashbacks to where he is in court. So maybe yeah. that is part of your point that, you know, Possibly, we know where yeah. we've got to end yeah. up. I don't think there's enough story to get us there because we feels like we're almost already there unless the court room isn't the end of the you know say this yeah. wraps up in the end of episode three and then we've got another episode that's my yeah my exactly, my, exactly my... my feeling as well yeah. i was like oh well we're nearly at the end of his story then so does that mean there's a mistrial do we see a second trial you know it just it's like oh there's got to be more to this i didn't feel that there was enough here to sort of warrant continuing i think that i will but maybe that's because I'm enjoying spotting the Birmingham filming location. Yeah, I did, yeah. Um, I, was gonna, I was just going to leave her in a little chat about that. Because Go on, yeah. It turns out all you have to do to be into TV in Birmingham is wait, <laughs> which is great. So recently we've had um, Amazon Citadel filming in the city centre and ITV's D.I. Ray as well, which is on screens next year. Citadel is pretending it's not Birmingham. ITV is like, yeah, this is Birmingham, it's fine. Oh, nice. <laughs> so there's plenty of films here too. Like, famously, we've had uh, Mission Impossible filming recently. And I then, love that. Uh, yeah, it was Tom Cruise coming to Ash's Curry House. He liked it so much. <laughs> he ate two of them. He got, he got his car nicked as well. I don't know whether it was from outside the Grand Hotel or whether it was from outside Ash's. So, yeah, welcome to Birmingham, Tom. Either way, um, what a claim to fame. I know. I'm so proud of this city. Um, also, Ready Player One as well. Um, it looked incredible down in Digbeth when they had dressed those streets. It was incredible. Really, really cool. Um, and speaking of Digbeth, um, Stephen Knight, the creator of Peaky Blinders, was it only a few months ago, I think he'd announced plans for a film and TV studio in Digbeth. Um, that, he, yeah. he has said that he is bringing all of his productions to Birmingham. It's just a matter of time. Um, so basically me and the whole of Brum are waiting for further announcements with bated breath and it's a very exciting time for us, often overlooked by London, Manchester, literally everywhere. I mean, even Belfast took Line of Duty away from us. Yeah. <laughs> so. so iPlayer is now the home of everything on the BBC virtually. Now, when they promote something, they're not even telling you what day or what day of the week or the time it's on. They just tell wow. you it's on iPlayer, which we really is really bizarre. Future. Yes, and I don't like it very much. But the thing that came out just recently was that ITV, they've not got a massive amount of stuff on at Christmas, but the stuff they do have on in the evening will be available on the ITV hub in the morning on the day it's on. Yeah, I saw about that. Which includes the soaps. So it doesn't mean you've got to wait till half seven or eight o'clock, whatever time Emmerdale and Corrie are on. So you can basically watch them after your tea if you. So want it's like to. plan your plan your day. Don't let the TV, you know, dictate Rule. when you dictate watch it, sort of thing. You can watch the Larkins early, 
Try not to. Try and well, save the best part Luke, of Christmas. In 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 big big news, I bought my Christmas Radio Times today, so there you go. You I shouldn't can... buy that anymore. You should support the site. I'm going to put our Christmas stuff up <laughs> on Monday. I'm, I'm still going to read you... that, Luke. And okay. Luke, are you going to have a special double spread website? Is that what you're saying? Yes, I, I'm <laughs> he doing does that double spread. Year, Sarah, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm double spreading this year. <laughs> Truly, it is the miracle of Christmas. Yes. The masks sing along as well. Don't forget about that. Don't quite understand what that is. But uh, it's an interesting development because as much as the BBC goes on about the iPlayer, the iPlayer, the iPlayer, it would be very odd for them to stick the Christmas Enders or the Christmas Mrs. Brown's Boys. I mean, there's plenty of places they could stick. The yeah, Christmas I was going to say they could fire that into the sun. <laughs> but, it, but they wouldn't do it because they still care about bums on seats. I don't know how realistic that is in today's society. We didn't watch any telly on Christmas Day at all that was on the TV. I don't remember what we did watch. So maybe they're just thinking, well, we'll put these out and people can watch them at their leisure. But it does take away sitting down at nine o'clock because this is on. We've also got the idea that somebody's got to navigate the ITV hub when yeah, they're Yeah, I know. To drink I know. Happy well. Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose Christmas is associated, isn't it, where, you know, the kids get all these elaborate, like, toys and you're having to construct them if you haven't got kids anymore the, the you know the itv hub is the streaming version of that really isn't yeah. it how um, do i sign in i don't know don't you have to put your postcode, your postcode in, postcode in. Yeah. yeah yeah they <laughs> deliver the episodes through your door as they land it's just a bit of an odd to see it's like oh it's only the, the day of but if you can't yeah. wait till tonight then yeah I suppose... you're so desperate to see the larkins then it's there. Why are you focusing so much on the Larkins? I don't, because I can't think of anything else that's on. <laughs> yeah, the, I, I think it's stuff like the chase and the, yeah. as I said, the mass sing-along. The, everything, so, basically, yeah, that's got Brad... Right, there's a lot of Bradley Walsh on this Christmas. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. The, the Larkins is on on ITV on Christmas Day, and I believe there's a blankety-blank on BBC. I don't know if there's any... Yeah. Overlapping Bradley Walsh. This yeah. might be just an anomaly to see how how many people sort of go for it. And I think again, you know, always going back to that the sort of ITV audience, how many of them A are aware of this and B like use the ITV hub? Because I think it is an older audience. Mm. And people just hate the ITV hub because it's awful. I've never used... We do all these jokes, and I don't think I've ever used it, in fairness. I don't think I've ever watched anything on it. Honestly, I think there are worse ones out there, but ITV Hub gets my a lot five? of for some reason. Oh, no, My yeah. Five, we used to oh. watch that um, show about the dinner party with the people who were... The one where um, Sally Lindsay comes in halfway the through. The break-in or something. Yeah. What was that called? What was that called? Intruder? Yes, we'll go with that. I hate Prime. I hate Amazon yeah, Prime. I hate, I that hate Amazon Prime too. Yeah. Um, Do you not want no, to know think... about the actors or in the thing you're watching while you're watching it? I mean, I mean sometimes yes, but you know that I can't remember names or faces, so it doesn't help me. No, but they Am give I... you extra facts about them as well. I you... do love an extra fact. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just think it's a shame. But then again, as you say, the impact will be minor because who's going to know about it unless they're in the know? I doubt it's mentioned anywhere in your double spread radio times that it's available. I don't know, I haven't really read it yet. I'm saving it for 
for after. I'm going to have, have a... Got, for after? For after what? After this. So you feel that's still... It's interesting that you feel that's still relevant. I'm totally going to get a Radio Times as well. Yeah, right? it's I tradition, think. isn't it? It's tradition buying it, but I just know there's not a lot of things in it you will watch. You was, personally, was, maybe the family will watch. That was certainly the case last year. Hmm. Yeah. I normally buy it for the, the quiz that's in there, if I'm honest. Oh, for God's sake. I'll get a quiz <laughs> book Of course next you do. Year. Of course you do. <laughs> you know me. God, he's, he's so on brand this week. <laughs> anyway, okay. Yellow Jackets is the new Showtime Sky Atlantic drama, which is... An original idea, though, borrows heavily, I think, from Lost and Lord of the Flies. It is set, as all things are in modern television, over various timelines, beginning in 1996 and then going to present day. In 1996, a team of Jersey high school football girls, uh, known as the Yellow Jackets, are planning to fly when their plane crashes in the wilderness and uh, there's questions as to whether that turns them into cannibals or not. And they're basically there for 19 months. And we see through flashbacks how they behave. And we also see the adult versions of these people are broken and traumatised by what's gone on. And sort of living ghost lives, if you like. So Melanie Lewinsky... It's not Lewinsky, is it? Linsky. Linsky. Linsky plays Shauna, sort of the main one here. She is best friends with Jackie Smart. Not a star football player, but is certainly liked by everyone. And uh, we see that she sort of uh, has a relationship with a guy, Steve, who we find out in late in the current timeline. She's now married to and is quite in a sort of a Jeff, unfulfilled... Jeff, Jeff. Jeff, that's him. Unfulfilled relationship. There is Ella Pennell as Jackie, who is the only one, I believe, who we don't see in the current timeline. Well, there's she, a few. There's a few that we don't yeah. see, but she's of the sort of the main of the main because she's yeah. the she's the upbeat, the team can do anything, pull together type. The sort of the popular girl in the group, uh, and we don't see her in the um, present day timeline. Twenty twenty one. 2021 i forgot what year we were in i was struggling i could not think what year this was <laughs> you're not alone the teenager natalie is played in 2021 by the brilliant juliette lewis she's the renegade of the team i mean she's basically juliette lewis if you know who juliette lewis is that's who this character is. She's the she, bad girl, isn't she's she? The she's bad the bad outsider. And she, in present day, in 2021, is basically tracking down the Yellow Jackets who were stranded in the wilderness for reasons we're not entirely sure of. And there's also a journalist sneaking round as well, trying to find out what went on in those 19, 19 months before the girls were sort of rejoined society and presumably rescued again. There's also the brilliant, and I will stick by this, the brilliant Christina Ricci, a bullied girl we see in the first episode, Misty. In in 2021, she's playing this carer in a sort of an old folks' home, and she's very, to use my favourite word, she's very quirky, she's mysterious, she's a bit creepy, and she is the one who... We started our company, Girls Who Do Interiors, before we even graduated design school. And we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. 
they had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place. And with the Chase mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member of FDIC. Deck your home with blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Plus free samples and free shipping. Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high quality window treatments with no showroom mockups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. In the plane crash sequence, you know, help people out <laughs> of their misery. But it's, there's a, basically there's a lot going on. And I asked mm. Matt and Sarah late last night if they would watch the second episode because I realised it was available on Now TV. I'm still going to call it that. I don't care. And I wanted them to do it because I feel like that first episode does so much setup that we don't get to the crash and the exciting mm. bit and the bit that actually explores them in the wilderness on their own as a team until that first episode, until that second episode. So my issues with the first one were, let's see the exciting stuff. You know, Lost began with the plane crashing on the beach. It didn't begin with them all checking in with their passports at the airport and getting something to eat and waiting <laughs> but, for the plane to... But, uh, just if, but do, if just to that to point, them. Luke, if they'd started with the plane crash, you oh, would be... Com- you I would know, be complaining that oh, we I didn't know. get to know them before I they know. got on the plane. But I, but I just, I was so <laughs> desperate. I just wanted to see, you know, these girls in that environment. And I think the second yeah. episode does that really well. Because my issue with the first one was I didn't feel like the two timelines of the teen girls in the football team and the present uh, women really gelled well together. Yeah. I just didn't feel like the two worlds connected very well whereas when we saw them on the island and we saw Juliet Lewis sort of sneaking up on them all and we saw how Shauna was basically killing and skinning a rabbit and feeding it to her family in in a stew it sort of showed more how they had been shaped by, by this awful experience they'd had and I think the second episode explains it a lot better than the first because after the first one I sort of thought I know what this is getting at, but it didn't get there. And I felt the second one did. And I have mm. to say, sometimes, it doesn't happen very often, sometimes you just have to go with the fun. And I wasn't able to do that on Landscapers, but I was able to do it on this because I think it's it's bonkers without being too crazy. And it's sort of intriguing because you don't know, they don't know what Juliet Lewis has on them all. There's also this feeling in the town that they that they still live in that they're sort of pariahs because nobody really trusts what they did in the wilderness. I, I have to say, by the end of that second one, the reason I wanted to talk to you about it was 
it found its feet and I enjoyed it more and I wanted to know whether either of you felt the same. No, uh, is the answer. <laughs> oh, uh, my answer is yes. Oh, okay, there you go. <laughs> this is what you want, the contrasting points of view. Yeah. Um, you can go first and I'll tell you exactly why you're wrong. I felt that I'd got enough out of the first episode, if I'm honest. I can see what you're saying, in that it did tell you more, but that's how, I suppose that's how TV works. The more episodes, <laughs> the more episodes you watch, the more you learn. That's how, how narrative drama works. Um, I thought they, I thought they teased you enough in that first episode that you sort of knew where it was going. And you had those little hints about what what happened when they were stranded and what they had to resort to. And actually, that killing of the rabbit, that was in the first episode. So you you sort of got the impression of how Shauna had changed. And I think you could see that in in Juliette Lewis as Natalie as well. And the one character that you didn't mention there, Luke, was uh, Tysa, who's the... Oh, yeah, who's running for senator, I think. Who's running for senator and in the... When they're all teenagers, breaks the leg of one of the the team in a really sort of brutal uh, moment. I think the only thing I got out of the second episode was sort of seeing more of the character of Misty, who was really sort of only introduced it as an adult in that final scene played by Christina Ricci. That was a very sort of Ryan Murphy-esque performance, I would say. Her performance is misty. Ratchet, American Horror Story, very wiggy. She's having a lot of fun with it. And I think actually all the older actresses who they've cast, I love Melanie Linsky, I love Juliette Lewis. I think they are really strong actresses and I think they do convey this trauma that's happened to them. Certainly, you know, you do get more context and you see more of them after the crash and sort of the effects. But I don't think it changed my opinion of, you know, I I enjoyed it. I was intrigued by it. Again, I I would sort of equate it to the landscapers. I might watch some more, but I wasn't sort of, I didn't feel like I was ever hooked on either episode and actually I, I felt very much the same as I did at the end of episode one as I did at the end of episode two. He's wrong because it was brilliant. It was it masterful, marvellous, really loved every second of it. Uh, spoiler alert though, I have a massive crush on Juliette Lewis and really she can do no wrong. But I did want to bring up one point. Um, apparently between 1996 and 2021, and I've counted, there are 25 years apart. Also says the pseudoscience of mathematics, if that's to be believed. I don't but, know whether you're right on that or not. Frankly, I, don't know. I, don't I mean, know how to work that out? <laughs> hashtag elder millennial problems because I've worked it out and I think I am exactly the same age as these characters, exactly, and that is very concerning to me because am I watching a period piece set within ha- my lifetime? So <laughs> how old were you in '96? Would you have been on the plane? Were they no, 15 or 16, are they meant? Because they're just about to go to uni, aren't they, in this? So they would be sort of 17, 18. They're yeah, all actually, sort of... I'm a little bit younger, so yeah. I was 14 in 96. I was um, going to say, yeah. And no, I wouldn't, you wouldn't have been, have been on, the on the plane. I wouldn't have been no. on the plane because I was terrible at sports. Yeah. <laughs> but I could definitely have kept people alive in the woods. I could have. You would have been misty, wouldn't you? I would, <laughs> really? I would have been Without misty. the psychotic been... edge. Well, I don't know. I no, with this guy got an edge. <laughs> Um, no, I definitely would have been putting things in the fire and cauterizing wounds yeah. And, and, yeah, telling people what to do. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's transferable skills with being a girl guide leader. 
<laughs> do you know what I? Do you know what I mean though, Sarah, about it being just a bit of fun? Like Killing Eve, that first series of Killing Eve mm. was just fun and exciting. Yeah, it doesn't and... feel like the sort of thing you would like, Luke. And it's, it, you know, it's it's very heightened. I, I can see yeah, why Sarah I likes it. Mani- it but... I can think it manages to just but stay on the. Does it? Does it fit into your "I need to believe that it happened" thing? Because that's your well, big no, thing about. But no, but there are, there are always exceptions to that rule. So I would say Killing Eve is a great mm-hmm. example of that. I'd say The Leftovers is a great yeah. example of that. I'm trying to think what else. I mean, The Americans. But so extent. what? 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 What is it then about those shows that changes your mind on that? Whereas a lot of I time do, you need. I think need the to... performances and the characters just feel mm-hmm. so authentic to the world they're in. I often don't believe or I'm not engaged with the world, or I'm not engaged with the characters. Like, something like Landscapers was just like watching a piece of theatre. It wasn't like watching television, and so I, I couldn't relax. It was trying too hard to do something. Whereas this, I thought, it kept my attention, it was fun, it was... It wasn't that bonkers in the same way I found Landscapers to be. It, to be I did care about these girls, I did think they did a good job meshing the actresses i would say that this is sort of like kind of like almost campy bloodthirsty mm. horror kind of stuff isn't it it's that teens lost in the woods thing but it's got that edge to it because we see them as adults and, and it, they, it that, feels what, less that's what grounds because, it yeah it feels less silly because there's a real suburban storyline to mm. back it up as well i found it quite difficult i'm glad we watched too because i found it very difficult because of face blindness in the first episode to be like oh that's the girl and that's her older self yeah, yeah. i couldn't quite connect them but as we learn more about the characters it was easier to connect I, them together i think the younger version of shauna does look very much like melanie linsky i think they've done yeah. that's the, the best one really yeah now to, to matt's point i wonder can this story sustain the 10 episodes that it's been given oh is it 10 gosh okay and that's secondly quite a secondly can it then withstand a possible second series, a possible third, because that was the downfall of the closest re- relative, which would be Lost, I suppose, where it just it couldn't sustain lost its you. own popularity and, and lost a lot of people along the way. And so I worry about becoming too invested in this because I think it could start to do those things that Lost did. Mm. And does it have an end point in mind? Yeah. Can it sustain the 10 episodes? I don't know. Um, as you know, I'm a big fan, especially in drama, of one and done. But unfortunately, America doesn't believe in one series and done. <laughs> no, they're getting better on shorter series and fewer mm, series, true. but they certainly don't subscribe to one and done. Although, do I want a second Mayor of East Town? I love the first. Do I want one? Probably not. Mm. But would I watch another one? Probably. Probably, yeah. <laughs> um, um, I just wanted to mention that there's so much detail in this. It's beautiful. Yeah. The the fact that Ty, the senator, in one of her speeches mentions coming in from the wilderness and stuff like that. Mm, it's just, yeah. it's there's that little sort of little shudders of horror throughout. Um, I especially liked these mysterious postcards that are arriving because um, they've got the mountain theme on them. And they say, yeah. which you were here. <laughs> Yeah. Which is like a threat, isn't it? A horrible and threat. There's also, because of the time period that the girls lived in, 
in 96. The music's mm. already the music's winning me amazing. Over. It's that like they've been in I love my... that Porter's Head record. And when yeah. that started to And, and like, the right, Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, one that they yeah, had yeah that's great. Um, it's like they've been into my record collection and cherry-picked all the very best ones. But I feel like that character has some dirt on them all. Oh, yeah. been to <laughs> rehab and is now coming back to... Yeah. So you might have cast, you might have cast me as Misty, but I really want to be her because she's got a sports car and a leather jacket and a shotgun, and she's going to write. See, I feel like that was you at school a little bit, Sarah. Am I right in that, <laughs> Natalie? No, oh, no, okay. not at all, not at all. She was, she was what I aspired to be, and I didn't really have the guts to do it until I was about twenty-five. Okay. <laughs> what did you think of the fact that in the second episode, Natalie meets up with Misty and she doesn't recognise her? I feel like there's going to be a whole episode where Juliet Lewis holds Christina Ritchie hostage, and I am completely there for that. <laughs> it does look good. Crazy. I think it's interesting as well that they've cast like Christina Ritchie and Juliet Lewis. You know, these were actresses who sort of came of age That's in the nineties, weren't they? They were teenage stars, yeah. and now they're playing these. You know, they're in their forties and playing these older versions of these good teenage good girls point. in the nineties. Yeah, the yeah. casting is and, incredible. What, what I would say as well, Luke, is it's probably going to get a little bit sillier because we get the impression it's gonna that there, have to, isn't there it? are these, like, other people in the woods. They find these, like, things on the trees and yeah. almost, like, things have been predicted because they've got the coach has had the big thing through his chest and there's an image on the tree of someone with something implanted in their chest. Oh, well done. And... I didn't get that. Well done. Good catch. So, <laughs> so I get the feeling that there's this sort of like, almost like lost again with this group of others somewhere. Mm. You know, there's that yeah. sense they're of mis- Unfortunately, they're going to have to do something, aren't yeah. they? Only yeah. to sustain this. There's an extra air of mysticism which might sort of undo what you like about it, Luke, in I, terms I of... I don't doubt that Because there's the right stuff as well that. with... with Tice's son who's doing all these drawings. You're probably absolutely right, and I'm just going to do it on an episode-by-episode basis. And uh, um, if... I was thinking how that... Yeah, okay, I could, I could survive in the woods. That'd be fine. And then I was like, hang on a minute. They were flying from New Jersey to Seattle, I think. So looking at the sort of landscape they're in, they're lost somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. Um, that is terrifying because that is full of wolves and bears. <laughs> no, I thought you were going to say and right wing nuts. Oh well, that too. Yeah. You know, if it if it does lean too heavily on, I I don't even know if there's going to be some supernatural element and then it will completely lose. Oh, there's it. got to be. There's got to be some sort of supernatural. I think so, but it, at the very start when we see what looks like horrific roast dinner presented in the the campfire. Mm. Um, it looks like they've got some sort of like cult or religion or weird mm. society set up. And yeah, okay, so there could be someone outside the group who um, is the founder. Um, but also, it, you know, 19 months is a long time for, for a bunch of people to live together in this horrible way. So it could be sort of an organic kind of... Because um, I'm just reading here that the the um, writers have have already got the last scene in mind, but they want a four-season run, ideally. Oh, <laughs> so, I don't know now. No. Um, I'm going to continue on an episode-by-episode basis, and as soon as they start talking about aliens or voodoo dolls or something, mm. which could happen in episode three, 
I might abandon. I think this could be my new obsession. As long as it doesn't go too daft in the middle and manages to stick the ending of series one, I think this could be my new obsession. I think you've said this on every podcast. There's been one show where you go, this is my new love. And now it's time for Matt to shine. For the main event, some might say. (laughs) Can I just say before we start this, Matt thought we we could either... We had two options. Find somebody who had had a relationship with the original like Matt and I both did with the right age group or search the internet for somebody of a similar age group who passed by entirely and to see whether it connected with them in any way and who would have thought we'd have found that person quite so nearby what was it about the original series you're sort of our age group did it did you just miss it entirely Deck your home with blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Plus free samples and free shipping. Ho, ho, ho! Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high-quality window treatments with no showroom mock-ups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off. Plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. I think I missed it. Do you know what it was broadcast on? So, on, on so the should we just... Can I just set this up and then we'll have the conversation? Is that all right? When it's his time to shine, he does like to be... Yeah, I thought you said, it's my time to shine, and then you just kept talking. (laughs) And then we talked all over him. (laughs) I mean, you should realise the format of the show by now, Matt. You've been doing it long enough. Yeah, it's... it's, As I said on Twitter as well, when he promoted the podcast last week, which was me and Will, is, I'm off this week, and here's Matt (laughs) and Will. If Luke's not on the podcast, everybody should be asking, where's Luke? (laughs) Just like Poochie. <laughs> yeah, so Saved Sorry, by the Matt. Bell, this is the revival of the 1980-slash-90 series, aired over here on Channel 4, Sarah. Early early mornings, I think early weekend mornings. It sort of focused on a group of pretty teenagers and their ups and downs, very glossy. This is almost like the postmodern take on that original series it has got the majority of the original cast so mark paul gosler returns briefly as zach morris who's now um, a governor in california there's a lot of school closures going on he sort of waxes lyrical about his own school experiences at bayside and with the more sort of inner city schools shutting down uh, one of the uh, journalists at a press conference convinces him to have a lot of these inner city children go to schools in sort of the more privileged districts. And that's where we get um, the characters of Daisy, Devonte, and Aisha going to Bayside alongside Zach's son, Mac Morris. We've got Jamie, who is the son of Jesse Spano, the Elizabeth Berkeley character, who is now the guidance counsellor. 
at Bayside. And then Lexi is the uh, the sort of the popular girl. Also returning is Mario Lopez as AC Slater, who's now the football coach. And it's very much the the new characters, the new teenagers to Bayside, basically passing comment on how weird it is and how odd the tropes of the original series, which are repeated in this series, are. I think that's that's a fair assumption of it, isn't it? My experiences of this is I watched it as a youngster, then I watched it sort of ironically. We weren't that young though, were we? How old were we? When yeah, it like... came out late late eighties, early nineties, so we would have yeah, been quite I... young. I remember I was about uh, twelve when the college years. Yeah, we would have been quite young. I think. Yeah, because I, I think it's like, like eighty-eight, eighty-nine. It repeated ad infinitum, so it may not have been sort of the original run you saw. But then when the DVDs came out with the sort of the sarcastic commentary, you know, I, I watched it then. And then there's a podcast about it that I also listened to. So I'm quite sort of au fait with the series. You're a mega fan. I am. Luke, your experience of it is sort of you watched it, but you don't really remember sort no, of no, no. single episodes it relig- of it. Religiously, I watched it religiously mm. with my sister. We enjoyed it. I remember the, the sort of made-for-TV movies. I remember the college years. Been, I, we were into it. But I was struck by watching this. Mm. Was the original quite tongue-in-cheek and sort of winking at you? Was it made as a comedy, no, like a parody? This this is my point, and I'm interested on Sarah's view here because this is very much made by people like I, I I would say like people like me who remember the original series and sort of poked fun at yeah. all those little tropes that they came up with. Like you know you have right. Max saying you know oh I flooded the gymnasium and you know them putting all their posters up the next day and oh you don't have a poster guy. That is all very much part of, you know, the, the original series. And, and yeah. the character of what... of Daisy coming in is what is going oh. on. Them saying, oh, you have, you know, dinner at a sit-down restaurant every day. You know, the that Max. must be expensive. The Max, which is from the original series. I mean, Sarah, what what was your thoughts on this? I can't <laughs> I'm imagine. I cannot imagine. <laughs> oh, my God, guys. You're not going to believe this. I didn't know that you wanted me to watch the episode. <laughs> You're joking. No, I literally haven't watched it. Oh, my God. Do you want to reconvene in half an hour? <laughs> we almost, It's not even half an hour. It's 20 minutes. We almost could. I'd be fascinated. Especially now Matt said how fascinated he Honestly, 20 minutes and I'll be with you. Right, I can start editing the podcast. I'll I'm see so you sorry. Soon. No, you're okay. <laughs> magic of editing you won't know that matt and i have been researching the goggle box families while sarah <laughs> tuttles off and watches say by the bell what did you ask sarah before we started down this goggle box i, um, I asked wormhole? her what she made of it as someone who never watched the original series and if if anything worked for her at all with it that pre-credits bit where they are basically just doing the show as it was in the 90s i assume uh, made me want to vomit myself inside out. Thought you were gone a while. I was like, oh god, what have they made me watch? But <laughs> I was like, huh, oh, this is weird. I don't hate it. I really expected to hate it. I don't hate it. I was not expecting social commentary on privilege and the American school system and racial issues and 
the expectations placed on children. I was like, what the hell? What am I watching? This is weird. Like, I was expecting silly hijinks and nonsense, like the, um, the you know, the, the preppy kids. And then it was breaking the fourth wall, and it was, it was, oh, it was a real surprise. It was absolutely not what I was expecting whatsoever. There's a trans storyline coming. Yes. D- yeah. Devante, the, the black kid who's assumed to be an athlete or a troublemaker, but actually wants to be in the musical. And the line there about not everything can be fixed by a vaguely inspirational speech. They are so happy to take the piss out of the original format, aren't they? Mm. I just, yeah. I, well, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. It's very sort of winky and, and yes. cap noddy. And a lot of the jokes are sort of winking to, wasn't it like that the first time around? Wasn't it silly? Let's poke fun at it now. But you sort of found that you liked that element I of it. I quite liked that. And I think that was probably the reason, the, the bizarre thing that they're talking about how, the, the poor kids from Douglas have to get the bus and then all of the rich kids have got their own beautiful cars. Well, in England, you walk to school. You know, it, yeah. it literally yeah. is like a whole different... I language. got the bus. Yeah, yeah. We, we live far away, like 20, 25 minutes. To be fair, though, Matt had done a morning down the mine before going to yeah. school. Down pit. So. It was the Hovis advert, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I love seeing the Bayside school through the eyes of the normal kids. I thought that was great. Mm. They're walking through talking about they're so rich, their graffiti is a Banksy. <laughs> I thought that was great. It was really funny. You, you really enjoyed this. I, I, I'm absolutely baffled. <laughs> what on earth am I watching and why is it good? <laughs> so will you watch more? I'm not necessarily seek it out, but I was very interested to see what happens over the next couple of episodes. Yeah. I mean, it's fascinating. It is. It is. It's. I'm absolutely baffled. I'm but so... I suppose the things like you wouldn't know, like for example, when she does the timeout, that's something that Zach used to do in the original series. There's like little nods there to. I realised bit... that was happening, and yet yeah. I didn't feel too left out. Not in mm. this episode, but if it does sort of reference, there was the joke about the restaurant, and then the guy producing the burgers like magic, and I didn't understand that. No, you but... wouldn't. Because Max, Max was the. He was in the original series, Max. Can you hear how happy Matt is to be discussing this? Well, you see, you don't know what I think about this new series. What about you, Luke? What, what do, how did you feel about it? Having that, Honestly, having that pre-knowledge yeah, of it. it. It was still a bit too winky for me. It didn't feel like it was trying to be its own thing enough. Her calling everybody preppy like Slater used to do to Zach all those years mm. ago. And, and Slater calling Jesse Mama because that was another thing, wasn't it? It was it was properly cheesy and it knew it was cheesy, but it just couldn't see past it like Sarah it does, could. She, yeah, it, she it did. could see what it was trying to do and mm. I never could get past the surface. No, and I, I felt the same as well, that it very much felt like it was written for people who'd watched it the first time around. And it listened to like the sort of sarcastic podcasts about it, mm. which pointed out all the foibles and all the tropes. And, you know, like the, the thing with the posters, I'll always come back to, because that's something where they would always have those big posters up every week. And how did they get them up so fast? And it's one of those like as she's trawling around the, you know, like the copier place trying to get her posters mm. made. And there's these massive posters and and the sort of, you know, they're only doing it to get a parking space. And that's very much uh yeah. sort of saved by the bell story of the week but i did struggle where sarah obviously didn't with the new characters and actually getting yeah. into their stories and yeah. i was thinking you know if someone hadn't watched it you know like say a, a teenager was watching this now 
would they understand? And obviously, we've got Sarah here as our teenager today. <laughs> <laughs> it's Teen- a lot about your teenage life. Yeah, I'm, I'm a teenager plus change. These new characters have literally been transplanted in to Bayside, but it was almost like the two worlds never were never meant to meet because they just felt like Mac Morris was even in name cleverly was a complete carbon copy of his dad but he didn't feel of now they didn't make no. any of the Bayside characters feel of now and so anything of now that the new characters said just didn't have any impact because the Bayside characters still felt like they were written in the 1980s so the two worlds just didn't connect for me. I think they're saying, though, that the the white privileged kids, I wrote down thick, rich and white like a vanilla milkshake. I, I, they, they live on their own little island of privilege and nonsense where you can be friends with LeBron or get him to come to your school or you can fight over a car parking space because nothing touches them. Yeah. Nothing matters because they are so privileged and they are, don't realise they're privileged because they're not political. And um, it's so interesting that you come at it with with completely fresh eyes yeah. because you're not waiting for the clunky cameos and the catchphrases. Over the years, all of the cast have been reticent to return to this, especially Mark Paul Gossie has lived in the shadow of Zach Morris his entire career and has managed to do various things outside of it because he's, he's so connected to that character. So it kind of makes me wonder how did they con- convince them all it must have been a lot of money as well (laughs) well they're all executive producers aren't they and things like that so that's probably more money um so but it it obviously appealed to you though sarah that's fascinating yeah i i cannot tell you why no idea (laughs) i think i think it was because i was expecting candy floss nonsense but it it had some weight to it in a way that i just had an edge, an edge to it, and, and a it, bit of sarcasm. It knew yeah, it was ridiculous. Exactly. Like you were saying, would modern teenagers like it? I don't think so. You know, unless they knew their sort of Nickelodeon shows from the 90s, mm. like maybe mm. Keenan and Cal and that kind of thing. Because it was so bright and colourful and shiny, felt like, a, like everything felt like a set. But again, run. I think that's part of it, isn't it? They yeah, are yeah. poking the... And I think it brings us brings you back to what you were saying about landscapers. That mm. I, I I don't want to know that I'm watching a TV show. But in the case of the you know Saved by the Bell was, was always breaking the fourth wall. They were always doing things like that. You know it's mm. it, it it and I I think they are now picking up on those tropes and you you see that set and it was always like the lockers and the staircase and and the. Yeah. The principals. I think John Michael Higgins as well was very good as the principal. You know, I think his his character was very good. That's a tough one to do as well. Can yeah, because you... you're living in the shadow but, of Mr. Belding. What we do know is got a second season that's already airing on Peacock in the US, so it's obviously doing something that people like. Who is it for? Because I, yeah, I, I don't I, even know what you know what teenagers are watching now. Are they I, watching I YouTube? I think it's probably. Watching... I think it's probably for people of our age. I think. Hard to say because I never watched the first time round. But I, I, I don't see why a kid, you know, who who does have more, more is more political, is more aware of the world, you know, is deep in issues and stuff like that. Why they would watch this and laugh at the two-dimensional characters? I, I don't know. Yeah, it's like I living in a nev- in a 
sort of in between world, isn't it? Yeah. And that's what I one. felt that is. I was just a bit like, who's this for? And mm. again, I, do, I I sort of go back to Girls Five Ever because again, like we are the. I think we, I, I don't know yeah. if a younger audience will get all the jokes about what it was like in the early two thousands, what the girl groups were like back then, and and yeah. the sort of those expectations and the sort of the manufactured pop groups that used to used to come then and and in the same way the sort of the shiny high school shows that used to be on then i looked at the interestingly looked at some of the episode lists and there is an episode where daisy gets too drunk and thinks she's in an episode of euphoria so (laughs) i was gonna bring up euphoria and i was thinking that speaks more to the team today. So they have actually team done a Euphoria audience. parody in the new Saved by the Bell, which is just like my that blows the mind then, doesn't it? Okay. I need to seek that out but, <laughs> um, on my own time and not make Sarah watch that. Well that is it. If we know one thing is that Sarah's is completely unpredictable. And I think we, we and we know our... a lot about Sarah's uh, school life as yeah. well, I feel today. I've basically I we written were... the pilot episode of Sarah Kennedy who I was. Coming to Peacock in 2022. <laughs> um, funnily enough. Saved by the Bell, the entire first season, Sarah will be pleased to know, is available on Peacock via Sky. Sarah, we won't keep you for much longer because you did half an hour's extra homework. Where can people... You've got a new writing gig that I want you to shine the spotlight on. Oh, okay, yeah, happy to do that. So you can find me and all of my witterings on various different subjects um, on Twitter at Sarah Hamstera. You can also now find me um, occasionally writing for whynow.co.uk. That's the words whynow.co.uk. Um, and I'm helping out with some of their <laughs> thank you for Thank you for pointing that out because I would have never known how to put it but in. It might have been the letter Y. Thank oh, you, Matthew. Very true. <laughs> You can find me popping up there occasionally um, in their film and TV section um, because like a lot of um, publications, the heavy um, emphasis is on film where I think the emphasis needs to be on TV these days. Thank you always for Sarah for for joining us and coming on. We will be back soon to talk about uh, our favourite Christmas specials in a festive custard TV podcast. And Sarah will be uh, contributing to our best of the year post on the website as well. That website being thecustardtv.com. We've got a brand new look for you in the new year as well. You can find us on all the podcast apps if you want to listen to us on there. Tell your friends about us. Tell your friends that we're here. We're on this tiny bit of the uh, internet that talks about TV. Tell them about our Twitter and the podcast and the website. We'd be hugely grateful. And we'll be back soon for another podcast of this nature, with or without Double Kennedy. Bye. See ya. Rate and review us wherever you find us. I think that it's programs like this that help people realise that they're not alone. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay. Then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today.